It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is live. It's January 11th. Welcome to the program tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we hope you'll stay tuned. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you. We're off to kind of an in auspicious start there but maybe we we won't have any more technical glitches and we'll be on the way we're glad that you've joined us we hope you have your bible out and we hope you're ready to study from god's word tonight we've got an interesting program want to talk about our relationship to the local church tonight dad it's important uh, god has designed us in such a way that uh, we need uh, a local church to be a part of and we want to talk about our relationship to the church tonight that's that's right, Jacob. You know that it is not uncommon to hear people who express the opinion, "I can be a Christian, but I don't have to be a member of any church. I can be a Christian. I don't have to go to to meet with any congregation of people at at any given time. I can just be a Christian." A lot of people have that view, but it's definitely not a biblical view. And we want to examine that tonight. We want to do a couple of things. We want to first of all talk about the importance of identifying with a local congregation. But then also we want to talk about, so that, that's sort of the start of the process, how you become a member of a local congregation and the importance of it. But I think we should also talk about what happens at the other end of the process of how might you leave a local congregation? What might be some of the terminating factors that would cause you not to be a member of a local congregation anymore? So we, we want to look at both ends of that, but we'd like our callers to... Uh, to our listeners to call in and get involved 931-381-4567 is the phone number or you can email us the email address is questions at collegeview c-o-l-l-e-g-e-v-u-e collegeview.com we'd be glad to get your comments uh, uh, out there and and make them a part of the discussion right away and why don't you call in or send us an email, let us know, do you believe that we need to be a part of a local congregation? Do you believe that membership in a local congregation is important, or does it not really matter? Is God okay if you are just trying to be a good Christian on your own, or do you need to be a part of a local group? Let us know, 931-381-4567. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or you can use the Skype button on our website to contact us tonight. Jacob, before we get into our discussion, we want to uh, give people a little bit of a heads up about next week's program. We're really excited about it. I know that many who are listening have probably had opportunity to see or hear of uh, a Baptist church in Topeka, Kansas, that sends representatives out to the funerals of soldiers who've been killed in Afghanistan or Iraq, and they picket those funerals. And their picket signs will say things like "God loves," or "God hates America," uh, "God is glad that your soldiers died," "God hates soldiers," and just all kinds of very uh, brash and abrasive 
kind of picketing signs and they go all over the country and they've gone to even foreign countries to make these protests. They have had representatives on many of the uh, news programs. I know uh, Hannity and Combs on the Fox Network and others have had representatives of this group and they've interviewed them. We've been in contact with them and they've agreed to have their spokesman join us next week to talk about their view. And uh, our, I think our interview, Jacob, will be different than what has typically been the case because we're going to try to get to the root of why they approach things the way they do. And we believe the, the root cause is that they are extreme Calvinists. They believe in literal Calvinism, all five points of Calvinism to the ultimate degree. And that, I think, represents the reason why they're approaching things the way they are, and we want to question them about that. Yeah, that's right. The group is the Westboro Baptist Church. Sure, you're familiar with them. Fred Phelps is their leader. His daughter, Shirley Phelps Roper, has agreed to be a part of our program next week to talk about her views and the views of that group. And we hope that you'll make plans to join us for that program. They are, Dad, as you mentioned, extreme Calvinists. They believe, and they're famous for saying that God hates homosexuals. We want to talk about that next week. Ask the question, does God hate homosexuals? We want to talk about that, and uh, we're looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, we're really excited about that. And if you're listening to our program tonight, we hope you'll definitely mark your calendar so you won't miss this program next week. Be a part of it. Join in the discussion. And please spread the word as far and wide as you can telling people about that special edition of the Virtual Bible Study next Thursday night. We really think it'll be an important discussion uh, and and certainly be something that people will be interested in in listening to. That's right. This is an infamous group. They even have uh, had uh, President Bush has enacted a law recently to try and stop some of their protest. Uh, They're very vocal in their beliefs and uh, very uh, adamant that God hates America, God hates homosexuals, and that uh, that God is uh, really, uh, you know, against uh, these people. We believe that God is against their ways. We don't believe that God hates the individual. We'll talk about that in depth next week. Yeah, so plan to be a part of that. We're really excited. And again, we want you to help us spread the word about that program. And uh, tell, tell you, you know, if you're listening and you'd like to get some of your friends, maybe your coworkers involved in listening to this program, that'd be a good opening to get them to become a regular listener to the virtual bible study that's next week on the program make plans to be here at eight o'clock next week for the virtual bible study well dad as we talk about uh, the topic of discussion tonight our relationship with the local church interested to hear our listeners views do we need to be a part of a local congregation how do you know what do you think the scriptures teach give us some scriptures that you believe teach that we need to be a part of a local congregation or we do not need to be part of a local church, let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Jacob, in uh, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul said that we ought to imitate his example. And we want to talk about... One of the examples he set early on in his life as a Christian in Acts chapter 9. We know that in Acts chapter 9 uh, that Paul became a Christian. He he saw the, uh, the Lord on the road to Damascus and spoke to him there, went into Damascus and obeyed the gospel, was saved from his sin, and immediately began to preach the gospel. After some time, he left Damascus and went back to the city of Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 9, at verse 26 beginning, 
It says that when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So here's Paul who now Christian, still going by the name Saul, of course, but he's a Christian and a faithful one, and he arrives in a, in a city. What is his first effort? His first effort is to identify himself with the congregation of God's people in that city. And so he took immediate action to make that association. Uh, he, he didn't delay. You know, very typically, when people move into a new area, they might wait weeks or months, maybe even years, to find a church. And some never identify with a local congregation. But clearly, Paul saw the benefit of it. He had experienced the, the benefit of a good association with Christians in Damascus, and he desired that same kind of association in Jerusalem. And so he made uh, uh, an immediate effort to identify with those Christians. Uh, I think that this is clearly a part of God's plan, and we're missing out on something important if we fail to follow that plan. And not only that, but also the church in a local area is robbed of our effort, our assistance, if we don't associate with them. So uh, Paul set an example there, Jacob. Exactly right. What do you think about membership in a local congregation let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. What are some of the benefits that we have spiritually as a part of a local group of Christians? Or if you do not believe we need to be a part of a local group, why not? Let us know your thoughts again at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. This is a listener interactive program. We look forward to hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. As we look at Acts chapter 9, Dad, there in verse 26, it was an action that Paul took when he came into Jerusalem. He wanted to be a part of a group of Christians. That's his. De- that was his desire. As you said, we are to imitate him in the things that he did, and that should be our desire as well. We want to be a part of a local group of Christians. Yeah, the King James Version says he essayed to join himself to the disciples. Uh, the New International Version says he tried to. The New American Standard Version said he was trying to. Thayer says that the word there means to make a trial or an attempt. And so he took the initiative and he made the effort. You know, very often people sort of lay back and wait and say, you know, if if, if the elders of the church or if a, a number of the members of the church will come and sort of beg me to be a member there, maybe I will. You know that, but I'm waiting on them. Let them let them show that they're interested in me, and then then maybe I'll grace them with my uh, membership. But that's not the way Paul approached that. You know, there's a, there's a real difference here. He made the effort. He took the initiative. Um, you know, again, if you kind of contrast that to what you see people doing, uh, very often they will. As we said earlier, wait weeks and months. Uh, maybe they'll visit repeatedly uh, and and have to be begged almost to, uh, at the point of begging to get them to place membership. That's not what Paul did there. You know, I think that. this shows us that uh, being a Christian is more than just sitting in a pew on Sunday morning or Sunday night. Uh, being a Christian re- involves effort, and Paul exhibited some effort here. You know, Paul understood that it was more than just 
worshiping somewhere. He needed to be, he needed to be a part of of a group that was actively working for the Lord, and that was his desire. Yeah, again, we we always are interested in people who might not see that the same way we do. If you think that that is not a, a fundamental part of God's plan, uh, and and unfortunately, I've I've had people actually express that they just don't think it's important and they don't have to. If you don't, if you're one of those, we'll we'll certainly want to hear from you. Uh, why don't you think it's an important thing? And and explain your position, or if you do think it's important, if you agree with what we're saying here, let us know, and let us know some of the reasons why you think it is important. It was important to Paul. He took effort when he came to Jerusalem to join into the local group there. He wanted to be a part of a local group of Christians. It was important to him. should be important to us, we believe. Why do you think it's important? What are some benefits that we gain by being a part of a local group of Christians? Let us know your thoughts right now at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or you can use the Skype button to contact us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We'll take a short break. We'll continue the discussion right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn, reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television, because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin, and it's never funny. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As we talk about our relationship with a local group of Christians, do you believe that we need to be a part of a church? If so, what are some of the benefits for us spiritually uh, being a part of a local group of Christians? The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We're standing by waiting to hear from you and to hear your thoughts on the virtual Bible study tonight. Well, Dad, we talked about Paul. We're using him as an example here to start off our discussion. We see it was important to Paul that he made it a priority when he came to Jerusalem to join with the local group of Christians there. He made effort, and we need to do the same. It was important to Paul, and he went to effort, and he even went against people who would sort of stand in the way of that. You know, yeah, he. he I don't know if you noticed in that reading that we read there from Acts chapter 9, when he first came there, they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Think about that today. What if what if someone who came into an area wanted to identify the congregation, but someone expressed doubt about their faithfulness or their legitimacy? Most people today would be so put off by that they'd say, "Well, forget you. I'm, I, I don't want. I wouldn't care to be a member of that congregation anyway." Paul was saw it was so important though that he would not be discouraged. 
uh, and he he continued his effort to be identified with them. Uh, notice that that I think the text also suggests that it was a legitimate thing for the church there in Jerusalem to test him to see that he was a faithful Christian before they extended fellowship. Uh, Barnabas, it says, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so they they had a right to say, we're not sure that you, Paul, are a faithful Christian and we're not going to extend fellowship to you until some evidence of that fact has been provided to us. Barnabas stepped up, provided that that uh, sort of endorsement and testimony that that he was a faithful Christian, but they needed that information before they just threw open their arms of fellowship and accepted him. They had a right to ask the questions, and Paul was such a one that he was not put off or discouraged by their their seeking and questioning, and and so that really sets a pattern we need to imitate today. You know, it it, it shows us that Paul was more interested in what he could do for this congregation. He wasn't interested in what they were going to do for him. You know, a lot of people are discouraged when maybe they're not treated right by a congregation because they're interested in being a part of a church for what they can get out of it. We see throughout Paul's life that wasn't his perspective. He was a servant, and uh, he went to the effort to be a part of this congregation for his benefit, but also for the benefit of them, he wasn't like many today in the religious world who would just said, well, if they don't want to encourage me, then I have no part with them, and then gone his own way. I think that's right. You know, uh, there are some people who think that a local church is obligated to extend fellowship to anybody and everybody who desires to be in that fellowship. That's just simply not the case. Local congregations are to put people to the test and make sure that they are faithful Uh, to the Lord before the local church extends fellowship to them. And we see that here in this pattern of Acts chapter 9. It was the right thing to do. The apostles were involved in that questioning and challenging of Paul's faithfulness. They sought evidence of his faithfulness before accepting him, and that certainly sets a a pattern for local churches now. Uh, And Paul shows us that a prospective member of a local congregation should be willing to be questioned and provide such evidence as is necessary to convince the brethren that they are faithful. All right. What do you think about that? 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate tonight. Do you believe that we should be a part of a local group? If so, what are some of the benefits that you believe that you gain from being a part of a local group of Christians. We would like to hear from you at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. As we discuss our relationship with a local church, what are some benefits that we get from being a part of a local congregation? Jacob, uh, the, the last part of that episode there in Acts 9 is that when Paul was accepted into the fellowship of that local church, he immediately got actively involved in their work. It says right there in verse 29, he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, and they went about to slay him. You know, he immediately took on an active role. And, you know, probably this is something we ought to touch upon, Jacob. In order to be a faithful Christian serving as effectively as we possibly can, we need to be a member of a local church. There are some things that we need to be doing that can only be accomplished in unison and in cooperation of a collective body of Christians, a local congregation. All right, that's uh, that's an important point there. If uh, if we can't do what we're supposed to do outside of a local church, then we would obviously have to be a part of a local church to be pleasing to God. Interesting point there. We can maybe talk about some of those things uh, in more detail, some of the things that we have to be a part of a local church 
in order to uh, take advantage of those opportunities to fulfill some commands that God has given us. Maybe you can let us know your thoughts on that as well. The number to call is 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com is the email for your comments tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Jacob, we've got an email from Jill here in Columbia. Jill, we're glad you're listening tonight. She says, the begging of people to place membership is a two-way street. People can't wait to be begged if we don't beg in the first place. Visiting a place at least a few times is a good idea, in my opinion, as it gives the person the chance to make sure they have truly found a congregation of God's people. It also gives elders and the congregation a chance to make sure the people are truly children of God. This should by no means be a long, drawn-out process, but it also should not be done hastily. It's too important. I think Joe makes a good point. You know, when you move into an area, our times are a little bit different than they were when Paul went to Jerusalem. When Paul went to Jerusalem, the, the church there was readily recognizable and the apostles were a part of it. And so he didn't have to wonder, is this the right place to be? But if we move into a local area uh, these days with a number of congregations uh, to choose from, then as Jill points out, we've got to make sure that, that this is a, a faithful group and that we're joining the right uh, congregation. So that requires some inquiry we should be willing to have them inquire of us they should be willing the, the congregation should be willing to have certain questions asked and so forth and so i think jill makes a good point it shouldn't be a long drawn-out process but it shouldn't be one that you enter into haphazardly either so i think jill makes a good point thanks jill for listening tonight thank you for your comments jill for being a part of the virtual bible study tonight the number to call is 931-381-4567 the email address is questions at collegeview.com what do you believe are some benefits that we gain by being a part of a local church? We'd like to hear from you tonight. Jacob, you know, a, a simple verse is one that we often reference in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we usually read verse 24 only, I mean, no, verse 25 only, but let's read verse 24 also. The Hebrew writer says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The simple idea of assembling together with other Christians is is taught there. And the reason why is because that our coming together is a way in which we encourage one another. We provoke one another to love and good works, and we exhort one another in our coming together. So so for the person who says, I can be a Christian, and I don't have to be a member of any congregation. I can be a Christian. I don't ever have to go to church anywhere. How, how do you fulfill those duties that come to us in in the collective sense, assembling together, worshiping together, encouraging one another, and so forth. All right, let us know your thoughts. And another question maybe you can answer. Could we be acceptable to God if we assembled with Christians on a regular basis, but we weren't a part of that group? We had ourselves there every time they met, but we weren't a part of that group. Do you believe that would be pleasing to God if we're just worshiping regularly with a group of Christians without joining ourselves to them? Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Jake, we've got an email from Randy up in Missouri. Randy, we're glad to, to have you part of the virtual Bible study. And he says uh, the preacher there where he is recently taught on Hebrews 13, specifically on the verse, and it would be verse 17, that, that says, Obey your leaders. He pointed out that you can't obey that command if you don't have leaders, and you can only have leaders if you're a member of a local church. Uh, and I think he's exactly right. That verse is Hebrews 13, verse 17. 
which says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Well, if I haven't identified with a local church and have not submitted myself to the leaders, then, as Randy's email says there, uh, you can't obey the command to submit to leaders if you haven't made yourself a member of a local congregation. Uh, and so, you know, you're not getting the leadership and you're not getting the oversight. You're not getting the spiritual feeding that's supposed to take place in a local congregation if you haven't availed yourself of the opportunity to be a member of a local congregation. Peter uh, gives the elders instruction in First Peter chapter 5, verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. The elders there are instructed in First Peter chapter 5, verse 2, to feed the flock, and as you mentioned, Dad, if we're not a member of that flock, we can't get the feeding that they provide, the feeding that we need to grow spiritually. So I think it's very clear, if we if we put this all together, I think it's very clear that we ought to be a member of a local congregation. It's part of God's plan for our well-being. Uh, he saw fit to reveal that to us, and if we neglect to do so, we're just simply ignoring God's wisdom not acknowledging that he knows what's best, and we're actually, I think, expressing a, a a sense of rebellion against part of what God wants us to do. He wants us to be members of a local congregation. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. What do you believe are some advantages and some benefits to us as a result of membership in a local congregation, being a part of a local group of Christians? Let us know your thoughts again. The number is 931-381-4567. We'd love to hear from you on the phone. We'd love to take an email from you. You can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation in the virtual Bible study tonight. Well, Jacob, uh, I know we're coming up on a break here in a minute, but be, but what we want to do is we've talked about the sort of the, the front end of the proposition uh, where you become a member of a local congregation. But one of the things that is also pertinent to the discussion of membership in this group is how you might end that relationship and what might be some of the terminating factors when we come back from our half hour break let's get into that how do you terminate how do you leave a a local group that's a good point we need to know about that we need to know what the bible says is it possible to leave a group of christians once you join yourself to them we believe the answer is yes. We'll look at how we do that. Before we go to that break, Jay, one more quick uh, reminder to our listeners about next week's program. We're really excited about uh, Shirley Phelps Roper, who's a part of that uh, Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, that's been going around and protesting at the funerals of, of, of slain soldiers. Uh, very... Uh, 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 sort of abrasive approach to proclaiming that God is mad at America, God hates America, God hates homosexuals. This woman has been on a number of national news programs, and she's been interviewed by people like Hannity and Combs. She's agreed to be on with us next week on the virtual Bible study, and we want everybody to to be talking that up and spreading the news uh, of that interview uh, that we're going to have next week, Lord willing, on the virtual Bible study. That's right. Make plans to be here next week on the virtual Bible study. Tell your friends to join us for this interesting program next week. We're talking about our relationship to the local church tonight. We want to hear your thoughts. Do we need to be a part of a local group of Christians? What are some benefits to us as a result of being a part of a local group? Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. 
Radio.com. We're taking a short break, and we'll take care of the discussion on the other side. Stay tuned. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're part of it. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to visit with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 for a period of Bible study. We have classes for all ages. And then at 10.30, we meet for a period of worship. And on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we have another period of worship for about an hour. We encourage you to worship with us on Sunday. And on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have another period of Bible study with classes for all ages. You're welcome at any of these meetings together. We encourage you to come and visit with the College View Church of Christ to find out what it is that we're all about. We meet at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee, across from the Columbia State Community College. If you need more directions to the meeting place of the church, check out our website, collegeview.com, or give us a call anytime at 931-381-4567. We look forward to meeting you soon. Dave, let's, uh, let's expand our discussion about membership in a local congregation to talk about how you might terminate that relationship. We've talked about the importance of having that relationship. Now let's talk about how that relationship might at some point be terminated. And I think the first thing that we would point out, Jacob, is let's say that I'm a member of a local congregation, and for some reason or another that group becomes unfaithful to the Lord's will. In other words, they begin to do some things that are unscriptural, that are against the will of God. They, they begin to engage in some doctrinal practices that are in violation of the teaching and the word of God. What would I do in a case like that? You know, I'm a member of this church, but they're doing things that, that they shouldn't do. What am I going to do about that? Second Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14, has the answer for us where we read, What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? The instruction there, Dad, is that if things are going on that are works of darkness, we can't have fellowship with uh, with that group of people. Yeah, it says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So if the church would begin to practice things that are not uh, authorized in the word of God, I would be duty-bound and obligated as a faithful Christian to say, I can't be a part of that anymore. You know, I, I have heard people, and, and it's really not all that uncommon to hear people say, well, they're doing some things over there that I don't agree with. But uh, I just keep going. You know, that's the elders' business. They'll they'll have to they'll have to answer for that and so forth. 
That's just wrong. If I'm a member of that fellowship, I, if I'm in, if I'm a part of that, and I'm aware of these unscriptural practices, and I'm not doing something about it, I'm not speaking out about it, and if ultimately I won't separate myself from it, if they won't change and repent, then I'm going to be held accountable for that too. And so I think that, uh, you know, one of the ways that you might leave the fellowship of a local congregation is if that congregation becomes unfaithful and you would say, I gotta go. I can't stay with this. We cannot have fellowship with works of darkness. And so we would have to leave. That'd be one way we could leave the group. Some of our listeners might have some experience along that line. It's a very unpleasant thing to to have experienced, but you may have experienced a situation where you had to leave a church on that basis. And if so, send us an email. Uh, give us some, uh, give us sort of a. You don't have to name names or give details, but give us a sort of a general idea of what kind of thinking prompted you if you've had to leave a congregation on that basis. But I would think there that it is the right thing to do, Jacob. That 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 a, a person who's concerned with with maintaining a right relationship with God in heaven would say, if this church is not going to do right, I'm not going to be a part of we it. We cannot have fellowship with works of darkness. That certainly is the case. So we would have to leave. Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or email us, questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, a a second way, which I think is pretty obvious that a person might leave a local congregation, is if you die. If you're a member of a church but you die, you're not a member of that church anymore. And so, you know, that's what happens. Many times you have faithful Christians and they uh, live a, a faithful life of service to the Lord and they and they die from one cause or another be it a sudden thing or maybe a old age or whatever when you die you're obviously not a member of a local congregation but that's a favorable thing you know if you've been in that fellowship and if you've been working and active certainly when we've experienced the, the loss of such members we always grieve that and they are missed but you know uh, uh, the, the promise of the Lord is that those who die in the Lord will be blessed Exactly right. Uh, you know, uh, we need to be striving to be faithful to God, so when that we die, we will be blessed. Uh, Romans, Romans chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter fourteen, verse thirteen says, "Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them." And again, we've known plenty of situations like that. And as I said, we mourn the loss of such members, we grieve them, we miss them. But it's a it's a, a a blessing. That's right. Let us know your thoughts. Again, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Well, one other way we could leave a local congregation is to uh, leave in good standing, Dad. We have examples of people doing that as well in the New Testament. Uh, we can be faithful to God and we can leave. Perhaps we move. Uh, perhaps we want to join to ourselves to another group of Christians. That is permissible, and we have examples of that in the New Testament. Jay, we've got a, a, a note from a, a listener uh, who asked a couple questions about this business of being a member of a local church. Uh, he says, how can elders of a local group plan the work for the church if there are no members to plan for? And how can the elders withdraw from people if there is no membership? We want to get into that business of withdrawing in, in just a moment. But I think those are two questions that really don't have legitimate answers. If if this business of being a member of a local congregation is not part of God's plan and is not important, how would local elders, overseers, shepherds, bishops, how would the, how would they pastor or or shepherd the flock if there's no flock? They can't plan for the work, and the work can't be done if there's no members there to do it. 
I mean, it's, 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 uh, I think an, an obvious thing that's being pointed out here. And the elders, how can they lead, shepherd, and discipline members who aren't there? They can't. And so I think that's certainly, uh, worthy observations. Thanks for making those observations. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about our responsibilities to the local church, our relationship to the local church, that I mentioned that we could leave in good standing. Perhaps we uh, take a job in another city. Uh, we have obligation to move somewhere else. Maybe we have an opportunity to join ourselves to another congregation. And we do that in a way that's pleasing to God. Don't so actually, you're bringing up a third way. We talked about leaving the church if it becomes unfaithful, being a member of but until the point of your death and a third way that you might leave a church is if you like you said jacob would leave as a member in good standing maybe as you said leave one area to move to another to take a job in a different place or something of that nature you know we actually have a bible example of that sort of thing happening in acts chapter 18 we read about the man apollos who was in ephesus and he learned the truth there in fact by the teaching of aquila and priscilla and when he got ready to leave Ephesus, it says, when this is Acts 18, verse 27, when Apollos was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. And so Apollos had been, a, been associated with the church at Ephesus, in fact, he, when he came there, he didn't know the truth as well as he should have, and he was taught the truth, and things were cleared up in his mind. Then when he got ready to leave there and go on to another place, he was a member in good standing and was going to, to another place. The brethren at Ephesus wrote a letter of recommendation for him so that he could carry it to that other place and identify himself with those who were there. So he left in good standing. That's an example that we can follow as well. It is possible for us to leave a congregation. Perhaps we have opportunity to move or some other uh, requirement would cause us to leave a, a congregation. We can do that in a, in a way that is pleasing to God by leaving in good standing. You know, one of the things that's in that example there, Acts 18, verse 27, is that the church wrote a letter and sent with him to recommend him to brethren in the next place who wouldn't have known of his faithfulness. I think there's a pattern there that's overlooked too much and something that is really worthy of our imitation. We've got a, let's say we've got a member in good standing here and they're moving to outer Timbuktu. It would be a good thing for us to write a letter to send with them a letter to recommend them to the brethren in that distant place so that they would know uh, of their faithfulness. I think this is something that needs to become a priority in local churches to do that sort of thing. When we have members in good standing who leave, let us recommend them as they go so that they can uh, quickly become an effective working part of a congregation in another place. Well, Jill mentioned in her email that uh, the the group that uh, we want to join ourselves with needs to be careful that uh, we are faithful Christians before they allow us to be a part of their body and uh, of their group and uh, that uh, letter as we see there mentioned in acts chapter 18 verse 27 facilitated that in this instance and it would facilitate it today as well certainly an example and pattern that we should follow so uh, some interesting points there jay we've got an email from julia who asked this question is it appropriate for a christian who knows that a particular church they were once members of is practicing unbiblical things 
to tell or warn others about that. Let's say uh, I'm going to kind of expand upon her scenario there and put it this. Let's say I'm a member of congregation XYZ, but that congregation has become unfaithful and they're not doing uh, things by biblical authority. So I leave. As we were saying earlier, I would be obligated to leave. Now, should I tell others, you know, you shouldn't, you should be warned about congregation XYZ because they're not doing scriptural things over there. She said, should we tell or warn others in that fashion? Then she goes on to ask, is that considered gossip if you have tried before leaving to study with the elders or members? What do you think about that, Jacob? That's a great question, Julia. And unfortunately, it's a pertinent question because groups do become involved in things that are unscriptural. Now the question is, what's our response to that, Dad? And I certainly think it's appropriate to warn others. If others are involved in activities that are sinful and not pleasing to God, certainly it's our obligation to tell them of their error to encourage them to repent. You know, uh, I don't think, I, at least off the top of my head, maybe some of our listeners can join in and help us here, but I, I can't think of a of a place where a whole congregation of people was identified as being unfaithful, but certainly individuals were named. i give you an example in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 18 beginning. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18, Paul said, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's just one example of the Apostle Paul naming names. You be aware. You be warned about Hymenaeus and Alexander. Uh, they've they've made shipwreck of the faith. Uh, and so he, he would warn others about their evil influence. And so I think... I would use those kind of examples. That's not the only place where Paul named names, but I would use examples like that to say, yes, it's right to name names of people who sin and will not repent, warning others so that they would not become involved or or influenced by those people. That's right. In Revelation chapter 3, we have a revelation, you know, the churches to the the church, the letters to the seven churches of Asia. Dad, we see there in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, the church at Sardis was a church that was in error that needed to repent. And yet in verse 4 of Revelation chapter 3, there were still some people there who were living faithfully. It would have been their obligation to encourage those brethren who needed to repent to do so. Um, and so I think it certainly is pertinent when we know of a, a group of people who are involved in activities that are not scriptural to try and encourage them to change their ways. I think that's right. Uh, you know, Romans 16, verse 17 says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. So such people are to be marked and avoided, and, and that would involve talking about the situation and i don't think that's gossip that's just following these instructions concerning those who are in error you know there is this idea though that if the elders are doing it and if we've talked to the elders and they won't uh, they they believe that this is the right course of action then that's all that we can do but you know the elders are humans and they can make mistakes and if they're leading a group of people in a way that's unscriptural in a way that's not pleasing to god it's our obligation to warn those who are being led away uh, about uh, the error that they are being uh, led into. uh, In Acts chapter 20, we see the instruction there, uh, two elders, Acts chapter 20, verse 30, uh, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So as elders lead disciples away, we shouldn't just sit back and say, well, 
that's the way it's going to be. There's nothing I can do about it. We should be actively trying to get people to repent. I think that's a great question, Julia, and we appreciate you for uh, for making that uh, input to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Glad you're listening tonight. Thank you, Julia, for your comments. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about our relationship to local congregations and we talk about our need to be a part of a local group what are your thoughts do you believe we need to be a part of a local group what are some benefits that come as a result and now we're talking about how we can leave a local congregation what are your thoughts about that let us know we'll take a break and then when we get back we'll take it to the top of the hour stay tuned the virtual bible study continues right after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you're benefiting from the discussion tonight. We would benefit from your comments by calling 931-381-4567 or emailing questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about our relationship with the local congregation tonight. We've shown that it is scriptural to join ourselves to a local congregation. In fact, it is our obligation, following the example of Paul and uh, understanding the instructions to be a part of a local group of Christians, it is our obligation to be a part of a local body of Christ and we have all kinds of benefits that we gain as a result, one of those being the fact that elders can watch over our souls and can guide us and help feed us from the Word of God. And now we're talking about how we can leave a local congregation, how we can exit that relationship with the local body of Christ, and we've shown that we can do so if the church becomes unfaithful and involved in activities that are not pleasing to God. Certainly it would be our obligation to leave that congregation, Furthermore, we could leave if we die. We obviously would no longer be a part of a local body of Christ. And we can do that, and we can also leave in a good standing. As we mentioned, Dad, Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verse 27, did just that. He left a congregation in good standing. They wrote a letter of recommendation that he took with him to the congregation where he went to inform them that he was a faithful Christian trying to live a life of, that is pleasing to God. Those are some ways that we can leave a local congregation. And then the last way that we could leave would be in a way that wouldn't be pleasing to God. Uh, we have fallen away, and the local body would have to mark us as being unfaithful, and uh, we would no longer be in good standing with that congregation. Sometimes we refer to this, Jacob, as church disciplinary action. And, you know, there's actually a number of verses that teach this and actually require it to be done. Unfortunately, there are very few congregations that effectively practice the kind of disciplinary action that's taught in the Word of God. Let's look at some of these verses. For instance, in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, 
It says, now we command you, brethren. Notice it's a command. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. This is not an option. This is not something that you might do but probably wouldn't need to do. This This is a command. If we have a brother who's walking disorderly, then we are to withdraw ourselves from such a one. That's a very plain command. That references Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six, Matthew chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. We have another command similar to that to uh, go to someone who is in error. In Matthew 18, verse 15, beginning, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So there again, Dad, would be an opportunity uh, to try and correct someone if they did not uh, correct their life then our obligation would be to uh, to treat them in such a way as appropriate according to what Matthew uh, 18, verses 15 through 17 teaches. Yeah, Matthew 18 actually teaches a process to be followed. But, you know, it didn't say, now, there are some sins that would require this process, but not all sins. It, it actually says, it actually implies that any sin might lead us to follow the process that is described there. One sin that a person won't repent of is a sin that needs to be addressed. And if they won't repent, then ultimately it would lead to this um, discipline by the entire congregation. You know, I think it is important for us to understand our obligation to those who are in sin, Dad, and who won't correct. We have an obligation to them, a, a biblical obligation to uh, let them know of their error and, if necessary, to withdraw ourselves from them. That's what we read in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If a man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, know not to eat. And so it is our obligation then, Dad, to not have fellowship with those who are living in sin, who won't correct that sin, but insist on living a life that's immoral. In fact, that was the case in Corinth there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul was describing the situation where they had a man who was living a very immoral life, and they hadn't done anything about it. They hadn't taken any action to correct that, to discipline him. And Paul was rebuking them for that. Uh, he, he tells them, with such a one, no, not to eat. In other words, withdraw your social company from a person who is engaged in such activities as these. Very, it's very plain passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and, it, and it again sets a pattern that we ought to follow if we have a member who's engaged in immoral or uh, ungodly, sinful activities, and they won't repent, then we have to withdraw ourselves from them, withdraw our social company from them. Plenty of time to take your comments, 931-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. In First Timothy chapter 6, beginning of verse 3, Paul makes the instruction, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. So we have someone here who is not submitting to the words of the Lord and to the gospel of Christ. Paul's instruction to him in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 5, the instruction to us who are faithful, from such withdraw thyself. That's the instruction that God has given us through Paul, that if anyone will not heed to the gospel of Christ, we are to withdraw ourselves from that person. Uh, real quickly, let, let's let's uh, cover all these verses. Romans sixteen seventeen. We already referenced that earlier. 
Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine ye have learned, and avoid them. Second Thessalonians 3.14, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him. And then 1 Corinthians 5 again, verses 4 and 5, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And finally, 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 14 and 15, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So I hope that just that sort of long enumeration of these various verses that teach the need for congregational discipline would be enough to impress us all that this is something the Lord wants us to do. It's commanded. And when churches didn't do it, like Corinth, they were rebuked for failing to do that. I think a lot of churches would be rebuked today because they are not adhering to that instruction of the inspired Word of God. We are supposed to do that. That's our obligation to the one who has fallen away, Dad. You know, we would expect that of them as well. If we were to be in error and we were to uh, fall away, we would expect them to love us enough to try and get us to come back to a right relationship with God. And if we would expect that of others, certainly others should expect that of us. It is our obligation to our brethren, if we see them in error, not to let them go on in their error without uh, correcting them or offering some uh, encouragement to them. But instead, we have an obligation to go to them, to try and get them to repent, to encourage them to live faithfully. And if not, as you said there, Dad, we are to mark them, to withdraw ourselves from them in an effort to get them to repent so they can come back to a right relationship with God. That's our obligation to our brethren, and that's a benefit of being a part of a local group of Christians. I, I think some people think that this is a hateful or spiteful thing to do, but it's actually a loving thing. If we realize that there's nothing more important than the eternal soul of a man, then anything that we would do that would alert him to the potential loss of his soul would be a, an act of love. And so we're actually acting in love to try and restore an unfaithful person. And the, the 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 final step in that process is to actually withdraw ourselves from them if it reaches that point and they won't repent. We're not doing that to be spiteful or hateful. We're doing it because we love them. Jacob, we got a uh, an email from Roger up in London, Kentucky. Roger, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. He goes back to uh, some of the questions we were asking about the benefits and the purposes of identifying in a local congregation. He says, since Peter stated that the elders are to oversee, quote, the flock which is among them, ought there not to be some pattern in the Bible as to how it can be determined as to who is among them? I think that's right. It is determined by us identifying ourselves, as Paul did there in Acts chapter 9 that we studied earlier. I think he's right. And then he goes on, once the pattern for determining who is among you is found, One can leave properly, that is, in good standing, by showing that they have fulfilled their obligations at that local congregation. Then upon moving or relocating, there is proof of their faithfulness. I think he's exactly right there. And that's the, that pattern is certainly established in Acts 18 concerning Apollos leaving Ephesus and going to Corinth and that brethren writing a letter to recommend him when he went. Thank you, Roger, for those comments and for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Appreciate you listening in for your comments, Roger. And uh, we appreciate all of our listeners listening tonight, Dad. We've had an interesting discussion about our responsibility to the church. 
We need to understand that. Yeah, real quick before we end, uh, concerning this business of church discipline, I think it, we might ask the question about withdrawing from the withdrawn. You know, let's say that a person has been a member of a local congregation, but they just quit coming. And, and maybe even they say, I don't want to be a member there anymore. Maybe they've gone off and gotten involved in some kind of a sinful activity. And so to avoid being disciplined or withdrawn from, they say, I, I'm not a member there anymore. I don't want to be a member there anymore. Well, the church is, uh, going back to what we studied tonight, the church is still sound. They haven't died. They have not left in good standing. So the only thing that can be done is for them to be disciplined. They're going to leave the church. The only way they can leave is to be disciplined because they're not faithful and they need to be disciplined. But we have some folks who, who say, well, you can't withdraw from them because they've already withdrawn themselves. You can't withdraw fellowship. They've already broken the fellowship. I think that argument is established upon faulty terminology. The Bible doesn't anywhere tell us to withdraw fellowship. Uh, in fact, I would challenge our listeners, if you've never thought of it that way, try to find that phrase in the New Testament. You won't find it. It never says withdraw fellowship. It says withdraw yourselves. So we withdraw our social company from these people in order to make them ashamed, to help them see the seriousness of their spiritual condition. And we should do that because we still love them, we still care about them, and we should also do it for the sake of the church, to maintain the purity of the congregation and to serve as a, as a lesson and a warning to others that such action can't be tolerated. That's what Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, your glorying is not good. They had not taken action. And he says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? You leave this man unattended to, undisciplined? It'll affect the whole congregation, he says. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. So Paul said that he, you know, this needs to be done for the, not only for the sake of the brother, and we should do it for him, it should also be done for the sake of the church. And so, again, I think withdrawing from the withdrawn, I think that argument is based upon unscriptural terminology. Uh, uh, we're withdrawing ourselves, and we can do that even if the person has indicated they don't want to be in our fellowship anymore. Let's try and squeeze in a caller before we wrap it up tonight. Ben in Iowa is calling. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, thanks, Jacob. Uh, I'm just going through what you're saying here, and... Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, non, 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 brother, what such one know not to eat? Now, if someone decides not to go to church and quits coming to church and is not calling themselves a brother, I think that they are no longer under what we're talking about here. I believe that, that, that what the what the Bible is teaching is that when you have someone who is coming to church and calling themselves a brother and then is a fornicator or a covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or any of those other things and trying to call himself a brother, showing disgrace upon the church, I believe that, that 1 Corinthians 5 and 11 tells us that's the person that we're not to deal with. I don't believe that's talking about someone who is just said, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. I'm not going to church. I don't want to, I don't want to be a member of this congregation. If, if, if we eliminate that person from our life, 
then we have absolutely no possibility of ever regaining that soul. But it's talking about someone who's trying to say, I'm a member of this church, and I'm a fornicator or a covetous or idolater. Hey Ben, we're just uh, just about out of time. We appreciate your comment. Uh, uh, we'll we'll answer just briefly, and we might want to get back to this in a future program. But uh, we're glad you're listening out there in Iowa. Uh, keep keep it up and uh, stay warm out there. I think it's getting cold. Well, it's supposed to next week. You know, this weekend it's supposed to get cold. It's been uh, uh, wonderful all along. All right, Ben. Thanks for listening tonight. All right, thank you for your call, Ben. Real uh, quickly, I'm, let me address that, Jacob. I know we're out of time, but let me address Ben's thought. I, I think it's I, I appreciate his, his uh, sincerity and his and his comment there. And I've heard others make that point that that actually the disciplinary action that Paul was encouraging the Corinthians to take and that we should take is only in limited cases of someone who still wants to be called a brother while they engage in certain acts of immorality. But I, I would refer you over to Second Thessalonians chapter three. In verse 14, Paul says, if any man, no words doesn't limit, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So he's a brother, but it applies to any brother, not specific ones or limited ones. Now, he says, if any man, any brother, obeys not our word by this epistle, well, maybe go back to chapter 2 then, verse 15, For Paul said, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So, in other words, in this letter, Paul said, Obey everything you've been taught. Then he says, If anybody won't obey what is stated here, and so that's all-encompassing, anybody who wouldn't obey anything that the apostles taught, Note that man and have no company with him. And so I I would have to sincerely disagree with Ben's conclusion based on what Paul told the church at Thessalonica, that this is not a limited action that we would take toward just a, a specific individual who wants to still be called a brother while engaging in immoral deeds. This is to any brother who engages in sin and won't repent. It's an interesting study. We may need to get back to that in the future, Jacob. Thank you for your call, Ben. Thank you for listening out in Iowa tonight. Well, Dad, our time is up. We're over time. But we have an important announcement to remind our listeners about. Be back here next Thursday at 8 o'clock for a very important study when we will have joining us from Topeka, Kansas, Shirley Phelps Roper, a member of the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, They're famous for going around protesting at soldiers' funerals with signs that say, God hates America. Uh, Thank God for 9-11. Thank God for IEDs. God hates homosexuals and uh, and such like. They're very famous for that. They're in the news repeatedly. President Bush has just enacted a law to, uh, to try and prevent some of their protests, and they have agreed to be a part of our program next week. We want our listeners to make a note of that and make sure that they're here next week. At yeah, make a note Make a note so that you be sure and listen next week. I think it may be one of the very most important programs we've had and maybe one of the most important programs we've ever had on the virtual Bible study. Make a note to be a part of it. And please spread the word we'd like to get a lot of people listening we think it'd be a very informative and important uh, discussion we're going to center on biblical things these people are extreme calvinists and that's the reason why they are approaching things the way they do we want to discuss that with shirley phelps roper and please tell others and make it a point to be with us next thursday night 
8 o'clock, east, uh, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time uh, for the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. Thank you, Dad, for your time. Enjoyed the study with you. Appreciate it. Be sure to be here next week for another exciting edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.